Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we combine a uh, love of talking about movies and television with not a lot of actual knowledge about those movies or television. I'm your host, Joseph. With me is my co-host, Christian. How's it going? This week, we're going to be reviewing A Star is Born, the brand new star-studded, what is it, a musical, musical drama? What would you call it? I, I didn't think it would be as musical as it was until I was watching it, but I think a musical is a fair fair term it, it almost is i don't know yeah yeah it's, um, it's kind of like a weird hybrid type it thing. is yeah it's bradley cooper's directorial debut mm-hmm. lady gaga's film debut and we're gonna be as this is the first time we've gotten to do this on our on our new podcast we're gonna still be retaining the better or worse than transformers it metric. lives on what <laughs> lives on where uh, as as we've noted transformers is the most mediocre movie mm-hmm. ever made everything is either better or worse than it and so this week we're going to get into a Star is Born, the fourth iteration of this movie, apparently, as, as I was looking it up earlier today. I did not know that. I knew it was a remake of the Barbara Streisand, Chris Christopherson. Correct. Which movie? is the most recent one. Yeah. The, from uh, what, the 80s? 1976. Oh, man. I'm, uh, I was off. I mean, uh, pretty yeah. close. Uh, 70s and 80s, same thing. <laughs> uh, the original is apparently in, in 1937, and that was about, like... I mean, to be fair, the story that this story is based off of is, is kind of a timeless story, regardless mm-hmm. of profession, but it was more about actors than musicians and then it was adapted into a musical in 1954 with judy garland and then yeah the the the, had no idea i know right who knew i didn't know these things um and then 1976 with chris christopherson and uh barbara streisand which uh, i know is one of Hurt's favorite movies, yeah. <laughs> as he told us off air last yeah. week, but uh, I'm, I'm sorry he's not here to defend it and tell us more about it. But as we said, this one is directed by Bradley Cooper, yep. starring Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga and Sam Elliott and Dave Chappelle for a little bit of it, I guess. It was a nice, nice moment with Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Do you just want to do initial impressions? Sure. Do you want to do a recap or review real fast? Yeah, so you want to give us a, a, brief, a brief synopsis? synopsis? Could, yeah. yeah. Um, this movie stars Bradley Cooper as kind of on his way out artist, Jackson mm-hmm. Maine. Yep. And Jackson has a se- severe alcohol and drug problem. And one night ends up in a bar and hears Lady Gaga as Ellie? Allie? No, no, it is Allie. Hearing Allie sing and basically falls in love in that moment and helps pursue her or helps her in her pursuit of a musical career while he continues to deal with his addiction. I really like this movie. I liked it for reasons I. I didn't know I was going to like before I saw it. And what I thought I was going to like, I ended up not like being as attracted to. Like, I didn't super love Bradley Cooper's performance in this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought he was good, yeah. but it wasn't my favorite Bradley Cooper per- performance. And I, I always knew I was going to kind of like the music, but yeah. I was really blown away by some of the songs that were in this movie. Um, and Lady Gaga, it sounds like a diss, and I don't mean it to. Like, Eight Mile is Eminem's story of Rise to Fame. I feel like this is Lady Gaga's story, or yeah. very similar to it. Because it didn't feel like she was acting. Like, it just felt very real mm-hmm. in those moments. Um, and she really, I don't know that, I obviously we haven't seen all the movies for the rest of 2018. So yeah. I can't say that she's going to win Best Actress. But I do think she should at least be nominated for it. Because she's very good in it. We called it so early. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really good about that, if yeah. I'm honest with you. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I felt very similarly. I didn't entirely know what to what to feel like coming into it, just because mm-hmm. the the trailer I felt like had kind of a, a limited look at the movie. But really, it's actually a pretty accurate representation of the style this movie was going for, and that's kind of what blew me away about it. Is Bradley Cooper as the director for a first time for a first time director? Yeah. It's a very specific vision. It's very like 
I wouldn't say perfectly executed, but but I feel like I feel like it's stuck very close to what mm-hmm. his what his vision is, and I feel like his vision is is very different from I don't know what would be kind of like a standard version of this story. Um, and I, I'd like to get more into that because there are things that I liked and things that I didn't like about it. But I very much respected the fact that I feel like he took a lot of chances in the way that he made this movie. That you know, I, I again, it, like it, it's a strong artistic vision. Yeah, I, I, we might go into spoilers or whatever. Because, but uh, on that note, that those last like thirty seconds mm-hmm. of the movie where it flashes between her and then them and yeah. then back to her, I was like, he is a damn good director. Mm-hmm. Like, and I realized there was a whole movie before that, but so many people may have tried to do that and mm. they would not have pulled it off well, but just the way he does it mm-hmm. and the editing process and those, I mean, that is a powerful ending to that Absolutely movie. it is. Uh, he, does, he does an excellent job. He does. Do we want to do ratings before or after we do spoilers? <laughs> we may say if we think it's better or worse, Sam. Yeah. Uh, sure. I mean, it's better than Transformers. I agree. It's I think it's clearly is better. better than Transformers. <laughs> it's one of those things where I, I feel like I have problems with it, but I have problems with it in the sense that once I started seeing this movie, I was like, this is a higher grade of movie, yes. and I'm going to start grading it on a higher level. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, it's miles better than Transformers. It's, it's a really solid watch. Um, so I mean, I'd like you to stick around and listen to the rest of this podcast, but I, I hope the word of mouth gets this movie, you Even know, more. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if there are, there are movies, there are a lot of like Oscar baiting movies that people, general public isn't interested in, and they probably shouldn't be interested mm. in, but this is one of them that you should like if this is a movie where it's high quality directing, high quality acting, there's good music. And it's got a great appeal. It's got it's got some tough themes, yeah. I think. And uh, but it's just really well made, and it's really entertaining. I didn't expect it to be as funny as it was. It's there. There are some good jokes mm-hmm. in the beginning of that movie. They kind of dry up as the movie goes <laughs> on, but uh, it's just it's really well made. It's really entertaining. It is, and I, I think uh, you know you, you mentioned it, but one of the reasons I feel like it could do that is because it's it, it's a very timeless story. Mm-hmm. And I feel like just on the basis of the love story, the personal growth and struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they feel very universal. They feel very identifiable, and they're very well acted. So I think this is. Uh, I think at least ninety percent of people who see this movie would like it, if not more. Like I can't. It's hard for me to find like a demographic of people that wouldn't enjoy yeah, this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing. One thing that I thought was really interesting about this movie, and I don't know if you ever seen. Have you ever heard the play? And there was a movie version called The Last Five Years. No. So the last five years is a story of a couple that happens in in reverse for one person and forward in the other. Oh, interesting. So like the first shot, it's a musical. So the, like for example, the song for the the woman will be it'll be going forward in time, uh, and for the man will go in backwards. I think I have that backwards though. I think for her it's happening in reverse, and for him it's happening forwards. Mm-hmm. And so the the end of the movie is like the middle moment, like the you know kind of like the breaking yeah, point yeah. or whatever. And uh, so it's it's really interesting to me because this movie is is very similar in that it's kind of like the rise and fall of a celebrity. Mm-hmm happening simultaneously but you're seeing the same you're kind of seeing the end while you're also watching the beginning Mm -hmm. and uh, i found that kind of dichotomy really really interesting in this movie but also done really well um i've never seen like the stage performance the last five years i've seen the movie which has anna kendrick in it and and i didn't think the movie was super great um so it's kind of seeing the similar story in that you're seeing the rise and fall happen simultaneously done very well it's really really interesting to me yeah, no, I mean, it's 100% from the, from the moment this movie starts, you see exactly where yes. it's going to end. Well, maybe not exactly, but maybe 
exactly. Yeah, I don't I mean, know. It's pretty obvious, I think. So, yeah, I mean, let's just let's see if we can we can walk through it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the USA just spoilers from here on out. Yeah, no. So so definitely yeah. from here, spoilers from here on out. If you want to see it, see it. I mean, I, I don't think that a review of it will maybe spoil one thing about it. Yeah. But uh, really, it, it's 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 really good. I, th- I think everybody should go see it. Tiana, you start out with Bradley Cooper, who's mm-hmm. Jackson Maine, the falling star. What is he? I guess he's a country rock star kind of thing. Yeah, I would put in that category. Blues almost. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like a folksy, bluesy yeah, country yeah. kind of thing. Uh, Someone who I do think would be really popular in today because he's like hipster country. He's like a, like a more bluesy Chris I mean, Stapleton. Look, look if, there, if there's nothing that came from this movie, was like, man, I want to see Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga in concert. Yes, yeah, like, yeah, that's they'd true. They'd be fucking awesome. So does he play his own guitar in, the, in this I movie? I think he does. It looks like he does. Yeah, I, you know, we we both play guitar, and there were moments that I watched. I'm like, I'm pretty positive he's actually playing that. Like yeah. what he's doing matches what I'm hearing. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm pretty positive. Definitely him singing. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, he, this is his first time really like singing at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he like specifically kind of has like a lower register, both yep. speaking and singing. Uh, you know, singing voice is fine. I feel he was appropriate for the character. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like for that kind of thing, you need like an exceptional voice. Mm-hmm. Um, he's more, he's, he more relies on like the songwriting and, and that's the music his whole point it. yeah yeah absolutely you gotta you gotta tell him something exactly after a show just accidentally wanders into a, a gay bar where he sees a, hilarious it's yeah. pretty good um lady gaga perform yeah. just kind of an unknown quantity just doing a show on a friday i mean mm-hmm. a friday or saturday night and then they hit it off how did you feel about that romance aspect of it um so it was it was a little awkward for me at first and I think they kind of handled it well because they addressed the awkwardness in which is that he is so apparently trashed. Yes. For so long. But it, she at least talks about it and that she's like, you know, she addresses it mm. like, oh, you don't really like me this way. Like, you're just drunk. And, and he's like, no, I really do. And, you know, you're like, okay, I've seen this guy before. Like, I've seen this happen in person. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm thankful that it wasn't just, you know, her being like, oh, he's a celebrity. I don't care that he's drunk. Like... It was very, it seemed very accurate and very realistic and that she was almost kind of baby him and entertaining him, mm-hmm. but also very open and honest, like, you're highly intoxicated right now. It was a little awkward to watch, but I think they, I think they addressed the awkwardness and, and, and made it seem more realistic. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense? It does. Yeah. I struggled with it, just watching it. It happens pretty immediate. It happens. It's, it happens very fast. It's very, and I mean, like in kind of an understandable way, because mm-hmm. we're talking about you know the celebrity comes out of nowhere and wants to like take you places and do things with yep. you. But like you said, he's trashed, and like the the conversations are weird. And I don't like. I understand that they're supposed to be conveying mm. like a chemistry that's happening, even you know when she's unsure and he's trashed. But like the the what was what was supposed to be happening and like how that was conveyed in words did not connect for me. And it, it might actually be how those kind of conversations work. I don't know, but it it, it made me uncomfortable just watching it. There were in things, some parts. There were things that Bradley Cooper was was saying specifically where I was like, I can't tell if he's drunk or he's supposed to be a genius, and it just seemed like really bizarre. Yeah things and she handles it really well which maybe that's like the whole connection between the two of them yeah is that she can handle it or deal with it and mm-hmm. and it you know some sort of appeal or attraction mm-hmm. uh, but me as the audience member was like i would never talk to this dude like he just seems like an odd a drunk oddball yeah he's very weird i, th- yeah. I thought he was just kind of creepy in the beginning yeah. uh, th- this whole the whole first act kind of culminates in uh they hit it off he wants to invite her to a show 
they they talk about her songwriting and her being more of a songwriter than just kind of a singer. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like maybe that's that's just where I called it on the first act. But the first act kind of culminates in her him bringing her on stage and performing with him in front of a big audience of like of her song. Yeah. And I, I mean, I thought that moment was very powerful. I thought that was like that was a good like a really good song, and I thought mm-hmm. it was a really good moment for both those characters. But the whole first act to me highlighted two a couple interesting decisions from a uh, like a movie making perspective that I think were entirely intentional, and I just don't know that I really liked them all the way. What were they? Um, so one of them is that a, at least eighty percent of the shots in the movie are all close ups. Yeah, they they don't do they don't do like medium long shots. They don't do a lot of establishing shots of like locations pretty much everything is told like from somebody's face like facing somebody yeah or like from their view very very close up and one of the other things that i i kind of liked about it but it kind of affected the pacing to me is um bradley cooper does a good job in this of not even not letting a scene linger but almost cutting it prematurely Mm. in the sense that i feel like he does a really good job of conveying the minimum amount of information that he needs to get you from one scene to the next scene and then we'll cut right there and go to the next scene. Um, so, like, you know, it, for, for comparison, you know, in a normal movie, if somebody's going to go to see somebody, you might see that person, like, think about it, go to the airport. You might see them, like, get on an airplane. You might see them land and mm-hmm. come to, like, a door. They're not going to do that. They're going to, in this movie, it would be as, seri- as soon in conversation that it's clear that this person is going to be somewhere else, yeah. they'll cut to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Which there I, is a lot of that in the in the opening of the movie, I, I, especially I, with the driver. Yeah, um, but I, I feel like I'm not not that specific example, but that choice of of I don't know. It, it, I mean, it, it's brevity in the scenes, but it, it's specifically like trusting audiences to bridge the gap from where you were to where you are now. That's what most of those shots are for mm-hmm. in other movies, uh, which is good because I think most people, I can everybody can do that because we've yeah. all seen a million movies. Uh, my only problem, especially in the first third of the movie, is both of those things led to kind of. Uh, not too fast of a pace, but there was, there was, it was too heavy of a pace hmm. in the sense that I didn't feel like there was enough time to breathe between the different tensions in the scenes. And I, it gets better later in the movie. It feels, I feel like the movie he wants to tell starts with them on tour. Yeah, no, it does. I agree. So he just kind of rushes to get to that point. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's one of the problems I had with the movie. I don't know. Problems isn't the word. It's one of the things that I personally didn't like. I don't mm-hmm. know. That, again, I think it was the story that he wanted to tell, but both both the really close up shots, you know, they, they already give you kind of a, a higher level of like anxiety and claustrophobia because you're you're literally in this person's mm-hmm. face mixed with the the lack of gaps in between the different tensions but in in the different storylines. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like made me feel more anxious than than I I think I wanted to be watching this movie, but at the same time I appreciate that I think that was a choice and I think that was what he wanted to do. Yeah. So yeah, from there on out, it goes from them doing their first show together to suddenly they're a two-man act, or yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A, a couple act. I, well, before we leave the first like sure. act of the movie, I just want to point out that I loved the title card sequence with her just like walking up the uh, the ramp and yeah. you know a star is born like slowly coming yeah. on screen and she's like dead, dead in the center. center. Yeah. Um, that's another moment where I was like, Bradley Cooper knows what he's he doing. He knows what he's doing. I know <laughs> that dude's too fucking talented yep. for. Being yeah, as yeah. handsome as he is. For sure. But yeah, no. Uh, the uh, One thing I didn't know about this movie is that Sam Elliott was in it. And, right. Uh, he plays a bigger role later on, like the to the, the second act of the film, I yeah. feel like, than he does in the, he's hardly in the first act because it's just really the two of them. But Sam Elliott says the word fuck a lot in this movie. He does. 
I think he's phenomenal. Yeah, he's I think, really I think good. behind Lady Gaga, he might have the best performance. Like I thought, I thought he was like good enough for like a supporting actor. Yeah, he's very good in it. He pulls this like torn, like annoyed but caregiver yeah. role so well. I don't know when the last time we we asked so much of Sam Elliott. But absolutely, we, that's absolutely true. We I agree. should do it more often. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely true. Um, and that was another one of the ones that I feel like they did a good job. And I, they, they hammer it home more explicitly later, but they don't, and I, I don't remember anyway, unless I missed it, but they don't explicitly tell you that he's Bradley Cooper's brother early right? on. But you can glean it from the context. Yeah, 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 yeah. When he finally says it later on, I was like, Oh yeah, okay. Now things make a little more sense. Well, because they, me. they, 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 they that talk, confirmation. Well, yeah, they talk about the, he talks early on about the fact that you know his his father was sixty three, his mother yeah. was eighteen, and his brother kind of raised him. And mm-hmm. you know, like uh, from context clues, you start to realize. That, I mean, immediately you realize that his manager is closer to him than just like a manager. Like it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. there's an extra relationship there. Um, and so I don't know. That was one of the things I really liked. Is, is again, you know, it's it's trusting your audience to put the pieces together. And I thought I thought there, with the exception of a, a few clunky dialogue things to get more exposition in there, I thought that was handled really really well. Yeah, I uh, I have tinnitus. Do and, you? Yes. Yeah, Does so, is everyone who's in the military have tinnitus? Well, you're allowed. We're around <laughs> a lot of really loud things, um, and so I wish I had somebody who followed me around and told me to put my in ears in all the time because yeah. I never wear them, yeah. even though I should. Um, so I need a Sam Elliott in my life. You do. Uh, also, those conversations between Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, where she has to repeat herself and like I love four that. times. Yeah, I have those conversations <laughs> with my wife. I'm like, can you say that again? She'll say it. And I'm like, I, one more time. I'm gonna get it this time. I promise. Like, but I think I, I especially think, uh, especially like earlier on in the movie when it's not as much. Yeah, of a progressively detail, gets worse. It progressively gets worse. And like, uh, you know, the more the more I talk about it, the more I like this movie because yeah. there are so many little little touches. Um, like even in in, in Bradley's performance is, is one. You know, he's got like specific like mannerisms to mm-hmm. be able to hear better. You know, like leaning his head in and, and certain different things. Um, for him to know and also for people who know him to know that they need to repeat something or tell yeah. him something louder but also that he's got kind of like i don't know he, he's prepared to to respond to things that when he doesn't really know what the question was mm. like he's got kind of just like generic things to say back when he's not sure and he doesn't want to ask again mm-hmm. i you know it's this lovely little character it's like, it's like even the first meeting with lady gaga mm-hmm. She talks to him, and he, you know, it, it, what, what was that again? And he, and yeah. he leans in again. Um, and I don't know. It, it, it carries really well. I mean, it's an important detail for the character in his in his own plot, but it's a, a character component that's handled so well, and like, there's so much attention to it throughout the movie that it makes it feel like much more than just like, oh, this is a fatal flaw in a character, mm-hmm. and much more that this is a real person going through a real yes, experience. Absolutely. In that, it's not so much a fatal flaw in the character. In that. Not that it almost loses its importance, yeah. While the but the pr- it doesn't lose its presence. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in the beginning of the movie, it's like a matter of contention. He has to go, you know, ear doctor, and he needs to wear in ears. Um, and in the movie, they kind of stop talking about it, but it has more of an effect on on how things happen for mm-hmm. him. And uh, I I think the description you said is it makes him just seem more human. Like it, it makes absolutely him seem does. like a normal as a person who's been around amps and amplifiers and instruments for a long time. Uh, you see that happen to people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, hearing goes. The Who is a perfect example. None of those dudes can hear anything anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, the, 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 honestly, the remainder of the story kind of follows exactly the, the tra- like, it's a slow but steady trajectory of, you know, they, they, they get together, they're doing their own thing for a while, then she's kind of discovered and, and continues to rise, and he kind of stays stagnant. 
has continues to have substance abuse problems and then has kind of you know uh resentment issues with her success yeah. her and has resentment issues with the fact that her success is kind of coming with selling out what he feels like was like her gift in the first place yeah how did you feel about that like i like that but i also feel like it wasn't i don't want to say addressed enough i would have been fine more if that was his sole like motivation and anger like i think he was okay being on his way out but there was did seem to be there obviously was a presence of jealousy i'd been fine if the jealousy hadn't been there and it was just the sellout portion because he spoke so much in the beginning of like, you know, having something to say yeah. and be truthful. It seemed like he really cared about that. So like the SNL scene was a little weird to me because it felt like he was angry about the sellout. But then later on, he talks about the lyrics being the problem. Yeah. And it just, it, I would have been okay if it had been one thing. See, I'm actually, I like it better that it's both things because it, it again, it, it makes him feel more like a person because no one person is just their ideals. Like there's no way that that guy would not feel That's frustrated fair. after you know, being a being a performer for so this, long, yeah, yeah. Um, to watch somebody just immediately like jump on the scene and and kind of skip the line mm-hmm. to the top, as, as especially as he's seeing other people, you know, like he's seeing himself being phased out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I like the fact that it, it it's a combination of of kind of just like a a gut emotional response with also like it contradicts what he feels like, you know, or his ideals. And he's kind of putting the ideals on top, but it's also that, you know, you think it's almost, it's almost like virtue signaling. Like he, like, this is what he's saying is really his problem, but his problem's probably more. He's just really jealous. Right. I I think, I think it's, it's very much a comedy. Yeah. Yeah, But I, I, that's exactly what I think is happening. I mean, the, the, the whole movie ultimately culminates in, you know, she kind of reaches her peak while he reaches his absolute, his his absolute lowest. And, (laughs) Oh man! Also, what a, what about the uh, the British producer guy? He was annoying how, AF. How fucking evil! Like, I don't even mean like it was almost stereotypical. Right. Well, that's that's what yeah. I mean. Like, um, I, I don't even mean evil. I mean like in the context of this movie that I feel like tries really hard to have grounded characters. I feel like he comes off very much as like mustache twirling mm-hmm. villain out of nowhere. Have you ever seen Spice World? I haven't. Why would I have? Yeah, I have. Uh. And in Spice World, there's an evil British agent in that movie as well. And that's what I was thinking the whole time I watched it. I was like, this is ripped from Spice World. I mean, again, we talk about Bradley Cooper doing a good job of, of kind of playing on audience expectations to tell the short story in like shorter amounts than like, mm-hmm. they, you know, uh, being British is actually a well-known like trope mm-hmm. that communicates that this person is evil. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah. And so I, do, I don't think it was in any way by accident that he yeah. just had a British accent. Like, I feel like immediately you're supposed to know this guy sounds funny. This guy sounds British like all those other villains in like the Die Hard movies. Yeah. He's a bad yeah, yeah, guy yeah, yeah. early on. Um, but yeah, so as as Bradley Cooper's kind of coming out of his low point, uh, her producer guy no. pretty pretty much tells him. You're the reason her career is stalling. You're holding her back. You're like you know, you're you're a joke, and you're ruining her life by being yep. in it. And he took that to heart. He took that way to heart. Man, that was a sad ass scene. With yes, the, it was with the ooh, dog. With the dog, I know. Yeah, man. It the I would say this for Bradley Cooper. I think the end of the movie shows his acting chops more than the probably the last like forty minutes. When the substance abuse gets really heavy and when he's coming out of rehab and he's talking to his brother in the truck, him and Sam Elliott mm-hmm. share that scene. He was like, you know, it's never, it was never about dad. It was always about you. Like, yeah. That was, that was a good scene. And then, yeah, the whole bit in the house and at the end with the dog and he gives him the steak. And <laughs> uh, not that I dislike Bradley Cooper for the rest of the movie. 
I just think Lady Gaga outshines him the rest of the movie. I would agree. And in those movies, those like last like twenty or thirty minutes, almost where her story is kind of completed itself. She's, yeah. She made it to the top. She, you know, and that was a Grammy winning artist. For him, it's still had a little farther to go. And, right. And uh, when it's kind of just focused on his continued demise, continued demise, he really, I think, shines in those last few minutes. And I see uh, my my counter is I feel like and and I think you're right and I think it's that's by design of the mm-hmm. characters that Lady Gaga is, is a more charismatic presence. Yeah. Because she's very excited about the world that she's in, you know, she's she's excited to be moving forward. I feel like Bradley Cooper's performance is really consistent throughout in in the mm-hmm. sense that I feel like that guy at the end is the same guy at the beginning, you know, just like I don't know. Just cleaned up. Yeah, well, cleaned up and, and, you know, with with some more baggage and mileage Mm -hmm. on him. Really, uh, the performances in this movie are exceptional. Uh, Yeah. But, but, yeah, no, well, now now that we're getting to the end, I feel like... uh, Should we just say it? What's that? That he kills himself? Oh, no, he definitely kills himself. (laughs) I'm sorry. I thought that was implied just by our conversation, but 100% he kills himself. Yep. Which is apparently a thing in the other movies that neither of us knew. Yeah, well, but, apparently in the first one, he just drowns himself in the Pacific Ocean. Oh, that's more intense, I kind of find, than it's, it's hanging very yourself dramatic. from your garage door. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not a diss to the movie whatsoever. That's very clearly stated very early on that that's how this movie is going to oh, end. Oh, yeah. Um, and I don't think I don't think that's a disservice. You just you know you know what I mean? especially because yeah. we've lived it a lot here recently. It mm-hmm. seems like where people have kind of peaked and they're kind of on the downside of their career, and there may be some substance abuse problem we don't know about, and until after they've committed suicide, and because of that story has been more prevalent, and we we see it often. You see all of those mannerisms and characteristics in Bradley Cooper. And almost immediately mm-hmm. when the movie starts. So you, you, you know this is where it's going to end up. And there may be like 20 seconds where you're hopeful that's not what's going to happen. But then they take it away from you very quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> but Lady Gaga, in the end, uh, I think sings a very beautiful song. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we were talking earlier about good things, like Bradley Cooper does this really, really amazing thing where they're, they're talking about the song that he wrote while he was in rehab. Or she brings it up to him while mm-hmm. he's in rehab. And um, you see the two, it's her singing it, and then it flashes to them at home, and mm-hmm. him just sitting on the piano and singing it to her. Mm-hmm. And then the last shot is just like her staring at a really, like you were discussing, very intimate shot right on the face, mm-hmm. her staring at the camera, and it like cuts to black. And that ending is, it's powerful. It's very powerful. Literally, as soon as the, the directed by Bradley Cooper thing came up, the lady behind me went, Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, I mean, it, it, what was your comment that you had about the the actual song that she yeah, sings? No, that's definitely that song is trying to be the new uh, "And I Will Always Love You" by Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. I think it's the song. Like that's this generation's like love song to be belted out in people's cars uh-huh. uh, to make you cry. And you think about like and and Lady Gaga. I mean, oh, we, she kills it. She kills it. Like I don't. We obviously all know that she can that she can sing, mm-hmm. but she acts her butt off in this movie. Mm-hmm. But I would even argue this is some of the best singing I think we've even heard out of Lady Gaga. Yeah. Like the uh, the duet song, she nails that song, mm-hmm. and then I mean all of her songs are good, but that song and then the the, the final song, song I think are the most powerful. Yeah. I agree. She kills it. I mean, I, I cried in in the last song. It, yeah. it got me <laughs> all the way through. Neither of these characters felt like me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I feel like when well, most people when you're writing a movie. You want characters and side characters and things that that people can like see parts of themselves. Yeah. In. Neither one of these people seemed like me in any way. I didn't. I didn't yeah. feel like I, I projected myself onto them. But 
as Lady Gaga was on her like her journey. I don't know. Like I, I thought she just did a, a super good job of playing all, all like all the different feelings that you mm-hmm. feel on that ride. Of like you said, it, it's a very uh, it's a very time worn story, but I feel like she hits the beats really hard mm-hmm. and really really like honestly yeah her whole performance feels very honest yeah completely agree there one thing you know you and i had talked about a little bit about you know i feel like this is very similar to lady gaga's actual life like lady gaga went to college as a music major you know studied got an education i think if you listen to her vocally you know live for some versions versus some other people live you you would you can hear that in her voice that she's like you know classically trained Mm -hmm. but she struggled for a while and i I think part of that is because of her looks and she was a songwriter i mean a lot of i think she had like a beyonce song and a britney spears song on the radio before she was famous she had written both of them she definitely kind of like paid her dues and i and i feel like some would take that as a disservice to her acting in this movie and i don't intend it like i feel like it's very real because she can connect with a lot of those emotions Mm -hmm. that the character in the film connects with and that's really the, the secret to good acting is being able to say, oh, this person feels this emotion. I feel this emotion because of I've mm-hmm. experienced this and I can relay that. And so for her, I feel like it just was honest. Is a, The only other word I would think of is natural. Like yeah. it just was very, it just feel very real. Like mm-hmm. she, it, that alley felt like a real, a real person and, and a person that I want to spend time with. Like I liked that character mm-hmm. and I liked every time she was on screen. Um, I, I liked her role more than Bradley Cooper's Jack because one, I think she acts it better than he does. But two, like it's kind of, we talked about like the, the drunken weirdness of the character waned on me, but that's what makes her character so special. While everyone else gives up on him, including you as the audience, mm-hmm. she doesn't. Right. Uh, and that just kind of makes that love story a more powerful, I yeah. think. And it is. I mean, honestly, like there's there's a lot of other themes going on, but it, it is. It's. I feel like it is a very powerful love story mm-hmm. because of that. Because you know, she, she she sticks with him through all of all of his different things. While you know, she's essentially got everything to lose. Yep. By uh, by loving him. Uh, and staying with him. Uh, now, I now actually kind of enjoy that about Bradley Cooper more now that like I'm like vocally saying that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, like that seems like a really smart decision now. Like you yeah. create a character even the audience maybe can't stand because it helps you understand why the mm-hmm. other characters can't stand him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, yeah, no, I mean, uh, like, yeah, just, just, just sitting here chatting with you about it. Like it, it's, it's every bit as powerful. In fact, it's just growing on me more the more we yeah, talk about sure. it. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. Do you have anything else no, about it? No, it's very good. It is very, very good. Go I, see this movie. I'm still torn now because I, I really loved Isle of Dogs this year, but it's, it, it might be the best movie of this year. It might be the second best, but Ooh, it's... Yeah, it's up there. I, I, as a quality of movie, it's probably the best movie I've seen this year. Yeah. Like, going back, I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed Shape of Water, which won Best Picture last year. So yep. uh, I, think, I think the odds are good for this one to see come award season, you know, what will come out of it. I, I definitely think it will, uh, again. It'll I'm, win something. I'm calling Lady Gaga. You're going to say Lady Gaga? I'm putting it down. I, I will guarantee best original song. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Unless Disney's got something going coming out. Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah. Okay. So what have you been watching, man? Uh, You know, I don't know why I didn't mention it last week. I feel like I should have because we talked about the fact that I went to New York. But I saw musicals Yeah, that's last right. You week. did. Uh, I got to see uh, Book of Mormon, which is mm-hmm. the, the musical written by the South Park guys. Yeah. Matt Stone. And right? Trey Parker. And Trey Parker, yeah. Um, and then the, the music and some of the writing, I think, was was uh by robert lopez who did huh, frozen, frozen and yeah. uh tangled and a bunch of disney things yeah um and it's just i mean everybody uh, it won a bunch of tonys when it came out mm-hmm. you know everyone who's seen it says it's really good i'm gonna be one of those guys it's so funny it's yeah. so clever the music's great 
Uh, if you ever get a chance to see it, I highly recommend it. I definitely want to. Um, and I also got to see a new play called uh, Lifespan of a Fact, or The Lifespan of a Fact, which is about uh, like a young intern at a magazine who's supposed to be proofreading kind of this mm-hmm. like seasoned veteran essayist. And then as he's doing the fact checking, he finds a, a bunch of problems. And then it, it just becomes a, it's kind of billed as it's going to be this young guy struggle trying to to work with like this grizzled seasoned yeah, guy yeah. who's who's resisting him at every turn um but it actually just turns into a really interesting discussion about like how important like specific facts are how like how factual things need to be and like you know to what grain of detail it sounds very timely it is no it's 100 yeah. percent very timely uh, but it, it starred uh i can't remember the, the woman's name she's also in in uh in a bunch of like tv and stuff um, something the, Cherry. Can't remember her first mm, name. I don't know. But it only had had three people. It was her, uh, Bobby Cannavale. Oh who's, yeah, who's in everything? Everything. Yeah. Um, Ant Man most recently probably. And is uh, he the old grizzled writer? Yeah, he's the old grizzled writer. Oh, that's an interesting choice for Bobby Cannavale. Well, it's great because uh, the the young intern is uh, Daniel Radcliffe, who's Harry Potter. <laughs> He needs no introduction. He, well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it was great. I got to, I got to stand like, you know, I got to sit like 30 feet from Harry Potter. That was That's phenomenal. pretty awesome, dude. Um, but it was, it was super fun because Daniel Radcliffe's so short yeah. and Bobby Cannavale's so tall. Like, it really hammered home the, like, he's supposed to be like yeah, this yeah, young, yeah, yeah, fucky yeah. guy. Yeah. And he's like, kid, what the fuck are you doing yeah. here? That's um, funny. It was, it was a really good show. I really enjoyed it. I also started watching The Dragon Prince with my wife. Ooh. And it's good. I don't know why you said it started out slow. And I, I will say to its detriment, I feel like the Netflix thing is a bit to its detriment um, because I feel like it spaces out story structure more than... Uh-huh. Like yeah. Ava- Avatar had very sti- tight story structure episode to episode where at the very beginning of the episode, you establish what the conflict is for each character yep. and how they're going to develop. You do the thing and then at the end... There's they resolution. Learn, there's resolution. They mm-hmm. learn their lesson. You move to the next episode. Yep. Uh, whereas I feel like things linger and are, are a little bit more fluid in this show than in Avatar. It's a combo of things that I should love and I do enjoy, which is it's super fantasy. Very fantasy. Almost like stereotypical fantasy. Like if I were to say, hey, just pick out five words of fantasy and throw that together. And you would say elves, dragons, magic, wizards. That's the plot of this show. It is. So that was, it, it felt a little tropey to me. And that, and I just like, the characters feel a little bit younger to me than they do in Avatar. And I think... Because, Which is weird because they're older. But <laughs> what I was going to say is the stakes in Avatar felt more pressing. Well, so... Uh, well, th- they're like adults trying to solve these problems in, the, in Dragon Prince. Yeah. Whereas in like Avatar, it's like anybody who can at this point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Does yeah. that make sense? I mean, kind of. I, I think uh, one of the strengths of Avatar... And and I this I suspect this show will also do kind of the same thing. Um, is Avatar starts out very kiddy, yeah, um, and it gets more mature as the stakes get mm-hmm. higher. And I can imagine this show kind of following that same path um, because even though the stakes are pretty high at the beginning, but you start with characters that don't one hundred percent appreciate those stakes. I think yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Espe- especially the two princes. Yeah, but I'm I'm really excited about it. you know. There's only like twelve episodes, mm-hmm. so we're gonna we're gonna finish it like this week, but. It's just, it's really fun. The, the characters are, are likable, and uh, I don't know, it, it's, it's kind of what you'd expect from these guys. It's mm-hmm. very, like, heartwarming, relationship-building, faith in humanity, that kind of thing. Do you think they're, um, obviously their relationship with Netflix is good, since they're doing the live-action Avatar show yeah. as well. Do you think that's going to turn out? I don't know how I feel about that, but oh. it's just, it's so perfect as is. I don't yeah. want to touch it, but 
It's fine. It'll still be there if they make another thing. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I started, I, I say I started, uh, thanks to Zach, Zach Evans, who, who has done our artwork in the past, um, recommended My Hero Academia, the anime to me. And I had given it a shot. I'd given it like two episodes a while mm-hmm. back and it didn't grab me. And while it's, it's not as like innovative at, or, or like groundbreaking as a lot of the ones we talked about on our anime podcast, it's, it's super tropey. It's yeah. super, it's like all the anime tropes, not quite as bad as like Dragon Ball Z or mm-hmm. something. Um, but they're all there. But it's it's a world where it's it's, it's young kids in a world where eighty percent of people have superpowers and they're learning how to be superheroes and there's villains and all this kind of stuff. And again, it's one of those things where even though the characters are, are I don't know, they're tropes, they're they're, stere- yeah. they're yeah, stereotypes. Yeah. They they don't feel like the same kind of real people as you know some some of the other things that we've talked about. But they're just so charming and they're heart, you know, they 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 like believe in things and it's friendship. And I don't know, I, I love it. I'm, I'm super <laughs> into it at this point. I've already knocked down two. Seasons this week. How many are there total? Three. Oh, so, so you'll be done. Next I'm going to be done this week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome, what I've been man. watching. Uh, I did not watch much this this week. My wife and I have very slowly been powering through Chuck. Uh, we made a did a sizable portion of season two this week. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean Zachary Levi is just just the nicest guy on the planet. Um, I I know you like to refer to. Um, what's his face? Ant Man as the most affable man on the planet, but Paul I think Rudd. Zachary Levi gives him a run for his money. Fair enough. I started Big Mouth season two. I am a little over halfway through it. Uh, I don't love it as much as season one. There's a couple of like interesting choices, like they've given a villain to the hormone monster, <laughs> which is the shame wizard, uh, <laughs> and it just doesn't like play as well to me yeah. um, as I think they were hoping. And some of the just like the humor choices are are they don't hit as hard for me. Like there's a there's a bit where they're like discussing like the, this girl's like oh I don't have Netflix and Nick Kroll's character is like oh Netflix how do you not have Netflix everyone has Netflix <laughs> and then it becomes like a twenty second Netflix ad yeah and I get that that's the joke it just like I'm yeah. like I feel like I've, that's easy like they, they also did that in the last season. they do it in the first yeah. season too there is a there's an episode that's all about Planned Parenthood and it's like uh, they do skits they're mm-hmm. like little little commercials involving different characters and each commercial has it. It was one's like a horror commercial. And, um, and I get the point of the episode. I just don't, I just don't feel like they, I don't feel like that was the best route to go about is doing mm. these like little mini commercials in the episode. Like it just feels kind of out of place mm-hmm. almost. And I feel like th- with everything that's going on plot wise in that show with some of those characters, I feel like you easily could have done the same thing as a plot point for somebody Versus doing this kind of like weird one-off episode, so there were some like interesting creative choices that I I I don't totally agree with, but it's still there. Even there's even more probably in this season that that hits close to home than the first season hmm. does uh, in dealing with you know puberty and hormones raging and stuff like that. Um, I watched the premiere of Doctor Who season eleven with the thirteenth Doctor played by Jodie Whittaker. It's good. I mean. It's it didn't blow me away. We've we've gotten a lot of really dark doctors lately, especially Peter Capaldi's doctor. Mm-hmm. Like his first season was the whole premise was was the doctor a good man or was you know everywhere he goes people die. So is he actually good? This is her doctor is very like bright and optimistic, right? And it starts right away that she you know she's there to help people. It's it's very reminiscent of the first David Tennant episode, I think, kind of combined with the first Matt Smith episode. So it feels very similar to things they've done in Doctor Who, but yet pretty different. I definitely will keep watching. I'm interested to see how it changes uh, as it 
goes. It wasn't my favorite premiere of a doctor, but it also wasn't my least favorite. So uh, we'll see. And uh, as for other things, uh, I started. Yeah, I know that people, listeners on this podcast, have questioned my love for Harry Potter, but I've started my yearly reread of Harry Potter. So Very good. I, I did Sorcerer's Stone this week, and it's such a light, entertaining read. I don't, I, you know, it's it's easy and it's comforting, and it feels very fall. That's that's fair. Yep, they're all just super fast reads. They are. Yeah, you once you once you start, it's hard to stop, and especially the early ones because they're like written for like twelve year olds. Right. So. They're not difficult. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that was it. I got a super awesome Leia tattoo. You do. We need yeah. to put that on the uh, yeah, sh- I'll on post the a Twitter picture. feed. Yeah, so everyone can admire my... Oh, yeah, I forgot about social media. I, just, yeah. I saw our Facebook requests for changing the it name. It wouldn't let me do it, oh, yeah. We'll figure that out. Yeah. But uh, did we have, did we, were we able to change the Twitter thing at all? Or? I didn't even try it. I didn't try it. Oh, uh, you know what? I think I did. I think I did change the Twitter feed. Okay. Well, cool. So that's A Star is Born, and... Uh, I don't know what we're doing next week. No, probably, I think, a director showdown, maybe, or... Okay. Yeah, we have one planned. We do. So, uh, so yeah, that, well, that'll work. As we just established, reaching us might be slightly more difficult this week. We still have some old better-than-Transformers things out there on Facebook, and the Twitter might be switched over by now. Yeah. But you can still reach us at better <laughs> or better than transformers at gmail.com because I haven't gotten a new email yet. But thanks to Brian Velasquez for our theme, and thanks to Zach Evans for uh, working on our art. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Yep, have a good one, y'all. Bye.